Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Phantopological, the podcast that explores the breadth of human fandom. My name is Nick G, and today we're going to attempt to tackle the question, are sequels good for fandom? Here with me to do that are my two best friends, Nick T. Yo! And Nick Z. Ahoy, ahoy. Well, gentlemen, as Billy Idol asked, do we need more? I think the answer to that was more, more, more. But also, (laughs) have you heard of a little game called Final Fantasy? (sighs) I've heard of the last story. I think that fandoms do not need sequels. People have demonstrated time and time again. I think there's a term for it, uh, Yuletide or rare something. I don't know. There's there's words to describe extremely small fandoms. It doesn't matter if more of that comes out. People will be happy with what they have and want more, but probably will never get it. So like on the one hand, absolutely fandoms can be fine without any additional content. But on the other hand, what if you were Final Fantasy and you could just have a million games? I say a million. There's 15 numbered games, as far as I can tell. And then there's a host of other games. Not only are there other not mainline games, there are sequels to mainline games. You have uh, Final Fantasy taking on the, the now popular anthology format, a la True Detective or American Horror Story, where people are just fans of the style rather than the characters and plot, or maybe they're fans of airships or people named Sid or Chocobos. Or Moogles. <laughs> there are not usually continuing plot arcs or characters, for the most part. Each one is its own Final Fantasy, unless it has direct sequels, in which case it's a like a penultimate fantasy. Huh. Yeah, I mean, I think sequels are good at creating, or not even creating, good at giving the opportunity to create communities. Because every time a new sequel comes out, a revival, a whatever have you, you have an opportunity for people who didn't experience the first thing to get in on this branch and either discover or rediscover an older branch of things. We, we've talked about sequels a lot. We're, we're huge f***ing hypocrites. <laughs> <laughs> but like She-Ra, I don't know if people were clamoring for that. But now that a new version of that is out, that means there will be people that can go back and take a look at the older one. Maybe they'll like it, maybe they won't, but it introduces a whole bunch of people to that. They could find characters that they didn't know existed. They could find episodes that really resonate with them. The same is true of, say, the Ghostbusters, which is divisive for a class of people that I don't care about. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to write that sentence down. (laughs) For Ghostbusters, whether or not the female led Ghostbusters movie was good or not. I don't care what the answer to that question is. It introduced a whole bunch of people to Ghostbusters. Did people really need to be introduced to Ghostbusters? No, it's pretty popular in pop culture, but it meant that there's a whole group of people that can enjoy that again, see it in a different perspective and potentially contextualize it differently. Like when you have a female run set of Ghostbusters, hey, if you're a a young girl, if you're a woman, you're like, yeah, I can do that. I mean, a Ghostbuster isn't a real job, but you're like, oh, I can see myself in that. Whereas you might not have been able to do that previously. Sequels can be really good for fandom. It can create division, but it can also create so much new opportunity for community. It's about tapping the zeitgeist on the shoulder and being like, hey, remember me? It doesn't have to be like of a 20 or 30 year old franchise. It can just be like the next one that was only, you know, three years earlier or something like that. It is a reason to become invested. Maybe become invested again. Maybe become invested for the first time. Maybe to stay invested. It sort of, uh, it sort of like wakes up the dormant cells. Like, like I would, I, I would often work in sine waves throughout the year, depending on which show was on TV. <laughs> Game of Thrones for a while, and then Doctor Who, and uh, and what have you. Basically, every sequel is like, remember how you loved this thing? Well, it's back. In the way that they help build on the property around which there's a fandom, 
it seems like a really great way to get new fans in, which is probably where those divisions, if they happen, come from. I mean, I mean, there's 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 certain fandoms where it's like, oh, you only came on board at this, you know? Yeah. So in that way, I mean, I guess sequels might not be that great for fandoms because they make it so much easier to gatekeep. Yeah, they, there's an it's another marker by which to do so. Are sequels a good thing for fandoms? In terms of awareness, 100%. Yeah. There is no better... Like, it, it will get more people attracted to a thing than a re-release. For sure. It's like the thing is the thing is continuing. And probably a good deal of discussion centered around a given franchise is like, what would, what would happen after the last part of the franchise we have? Here's the answer. Potentially. Sometimes you have sequels that don't address any of the questions. One of the motivators for this episode was the week after this episode will be released, we'll be doing the Race Against Time, which is an annual charity marathon. We'll have a bigger announcement closer towards the end of the episode. You can hear a, a, a good friend of ours, Luca, tell you a bit more about it. But um, that's a game, a game that I love dearly, a game that I think collectively we all love pretty dearly. And it had a sequel. And we still go on like... <laughs> still rhapsodize about man wouldn't it be great if chrono trigger had a sequel it did it was called chrono cross and what it did was something almost entirely different and that was fine but it's not a real sequel stop it <laughs> I, it was as we all know it takes three to make a trend we only have two mm. and radical dreamers doesn't count it could have gone in like a final fantasy-ish direction where it's each plot is like kind of its own plot with its own characters and there are little links that go through each game <laughs> but there was only one sequel so it is it is judged for not being like corner trigger sometimes judged well sometimes judged poorly but it is judged for that in both plot and characters and like gameplay yeah yeah I could be totally misremembering this, but I think it was the uh, YouTuber Satchbag who had a video out about uh, Chrono Cross and like how it's actually a very good sequel to Chrono Trigger. Not because uh, it directly, you know, follows the future adventures of Chrono and Luca and Marl and Frog and all and Ayla and Robo and so on, but because it like builds on the idea central to Chrono Trigger of time travel and takes it to like multiple universe theory. Yeah. And like it, it did that. It ran with a, a different direction. And for some reason, people still insist like we need more, need more sickles. The ultimate, the, the end point of it is they want more of the thing that made them happy. Yeah. And they have ideas as to what that would look like, but that's it. They can't know. And if they do know, then they should just write a fan fiction or <laughs> make a fan game and hope Square yeah. doesn't shut mm-hmm. it down. I mean, there are there are several fan games that still exist that have not been shut down in any reasonable capacity. I think Crimson Echoes, maybe it still exists because it never was technically finished. But yeah. Point nine nine whatever is still <laughs> available. Yep. Yeah. Prophet's Guile is also out there, all about uh, what Magus was up to before you meet him Ooh. in uh, twelve thousand. Yeah, a different direction, but but still. Uh, expanding on that particular fandom there mm. are chrono trigger randomizers oh man randomizers yeah. <laughs> i mean that that is definitely something specific to a lot of video game fandoms where you yeah. can create a new experience out of an old one by just l- taking a bunch of pieces of it <laughs> shuffling it in a box and pulling Oof. out whatever comes out uh, you can't do that for every story you can't take a lost you can't take a game of thrones <laughs> And well, maybe Lost is already like that. <laughs> but you can't you can't just re-experience that by deciding to watch all of the episodes completely out of order. That sounds terrible. 
I, I don't I don't want to pick nits with the specific example you provided, but someone made a cut of Lost that where it takes place chronologically within the world. There's some lost time travel. Uh, I don't know what it does to the pacing, but yeah. Yeah, and to be fair, there's at least one example that I can think of in the in the anime world. In the mid-2000s, there was a very popular anime, The Melancholy of Haruhi Suzumiya, and the big twist. Oh, I won't reveal the twist, but I will say that there is a huge difference between watching the episodes in release order and watching the episodes in the chronological order, because in chronological order, you find out the big reveal of the series in, like, the third episode. Oh, dang. Mm. yeah uh but that's that's a little bit different you can't really do randomizers as much in the same way sequels in fandom definitely create divisions i don't think they're meaningfully distinct than any other garbage division that we create between people humans arbitrarily create tribes they arbitrarily create divisions between people between us and them i don't think that's a good thing but that is not unique to fandom no there's this uh there's this terror that sequels won't be as good and generally no it's like do you want more of the thing or do you want this like gleaming shining memory of the original (laughs) thing like which one do you want because you can't have both with something like twin peaks the return you could kind of argue it either way because very much on the surface it's not at all like the 1990s series but it's still like it is still kind of an artsy mystery box show now if you if you left Twin Peaks and you were like, ah, uh, what what's it all about? I gotta find those answers. And twenty five mm-hmm. years later, here comes Twin Peaks: The Return. Here comes. Oh man. Here here come the answers. This is you know how you know that thing you do where it's like you like put a crank next to your hand and then you slowly bring your middle finger up. Twin Peaks: The Return <laughs> is David Lynch doing that for eighteen hours. What? <laughs> <laughs> It's one of the best shows I've uh. ever seen. <laughs> I, I believe you mean one of the best movies you've ever seen. Uh, uh, not going to start that. Not going to start that. <laughs> that brings up a different point, which is, I mean, you can never go back ever in, in life. Uh, time travel. This is really meta. Um, mm. <laughs> you can never go back unless there's time travel involved. <laughs> But in real life, that means you, you can't go back. Experiences that you've had in the past, are they've happened. And if you try to re-experience it, you, you can't do that. You can only experience something in a new context. In a lot of things, things either uh, in a lot of fandoms, a series, if it is a series, could have a direct sequel, like Final Fantasy X and Final Fantasy X-2. Yeah. Or it can have mm-hmm. an indirect sequel, like uh, Chrono Trigger and Chrono Cross. Or it can have a spiritual successor, like Chrono Trigger and Xenogears. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And in all of those cases, like you can never go back. Technology changes. uh, If you're talking about video games, the way that we tell stories changes. I'm reminded of a couple games that have come out recently, recently as in the last decade, there was one mighty number nine, which I believe is the big name behind it was KG and Afune, who is also Mm -hmm. the creator of Mega Man. Yeah. And people are like, oh, Mega Man. I love Mega Man games. They were so great when I was a kid. I didn't like, I don't know, X or the XZ or whatever. Pick a Mega Man series. There were yeah. three or four of them. And they're like, oh, it's a it's a return to this. But it turns out when you make the same game now, and it's not, it, it takes a lot of modern notes, but it's still very similar to the original formula. And it turns out it's, it's not as good. But that's because you can't go back. Like, is he going to invent Mega Man again? 
<laughs> like is Mega Man. I'm sure it's a fun Mega Man game, but it can't possibly match like playing Mega Man for the first time. Yeah, and it's like that for some fandoms. Sometimes you extend a series, you create a new piece into an anthology, you revive something, you sequelize it, and that's great. It's great in the sense that more people come into it. Not everyone that was already in it will enjoy it, and that's okay. Fandoms are not monocultures. No, nor should they be. In that sense, sequels, I guess, are always a good thing, which is a weird thing for me to say. (laughs) Because it means that you're always bringing new people into something. Provided that at least some people from whatever previous stop stay on the bus, then that means you're getting a more diverse set of people into that fandom. That sounds like a good thing. I'm trying to think where, if there's been a case of fandom where, like, between iterations of it, there's been, like, a complete... Everyone who was originally there gets off, but a bunch of other people get on. Oh, that's a good question. I can't really think of anything. The only thing that comes to mind is Bad Lieutenant and Bad Lieutenant colon Port of Call New Orleans. What? Bad Lieutenant was a movie with Harvey Keitel, and then like Werner Herzog was supposed to direct the sequel to it, but he made a completely different movie that had nothing to do with the original movie. (laughs) (laughs) But it's still called Bad Lieutenant. I've never seen either of them. (laughs) Interesting. Yeah. My mind's just going to the Grateful Dead, but the Grateful Dead, so much of that following, so much of that fandom is like intergenerational, but like sort of intentionally so, like an older generation's telling the younger generation who wants to be like all relaxed and enjoy crunchy grooves to to go check out this Grateful Dead thing or this fish thing, perhaps. And so, you know, it gets passed along. Is fish the sequel to the Grateful Dead? Yes. (laughs) Yes? Okay. Facetiously, but also yes. Like... (laughs) If if a band can have a sequel that doesn't have any of the members from the original band, yes, Fish is the sequel to The Grateful Dead. Okay. And I got to go on record saying that I like the sequel better. Whoa. I have zero strong opinions about this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wanted to start this episode by saying that sequels for bad for fandom because, yeah, it's just some company trying to cash in, make a lot of money, and it's like, that doesn't help anybody. They're just out whatever and seeing what sticks but the more that i think about it as long as everybody's happy and certainly lots of people must be gotta be a reason why dragon ball is still running why sailor moon is still running with stuff like dragon ball and uh, and sailor moon what i wonder is like maybe more so with dragon ball but like how many of the people who are currently fans of super i think it's still super yeah how many of those fans were also like eagerly tuning in in the 90s when it was on ytv or Teletoon, or Cartoon Network. That might be an example of a fandom where the sequel is just casting a net around a completely different group of people. People in similar circumstances to those who like were fans of Dragon Ball Z or Dragon Ball, but still different people. Hmm. Sort of, sort of building on that, sort of taking this wildly off in my own direction. Are you going to bring up wrestling? <laughs> no, actually, no. Oh boy. Wrestling has never ended. Uh, taking examples like, like Shira or like Voltron which are very much in the same basket, I would say. Like, that is more a reiteration for a new generation, I would argue. Like, let's see if we can't polish this thing up a little bit and bring it into today. Yeah, take this toy commercial and make it more of a show that's actually a show. Yeah, here's the question. Is that more valuable than just something that rips off those shows? <laughs> oh, you mean like a uh, like a not Voltron? <laughs> yes. <laughs> In terms of intrinsic value to someone, I don't think there's any difference in value, but I guess the 
The difference is if you made not Voltron, then you have to sell not Voltron to people. And and this is what I was thinking about with, with another reason why sequels are good. There's nothing stopping you from making your own Twilight fan fiction and spinning it off into a successful book series. It's happened. <laughs> it's It's happened. But that's certainly not as commonplace as like literally any other fanfic. And so when somebody makes a sequel of something, it gets out there and people can see it. Whereas if you make your own world, it's just that much harder to get it out there. It radically changes, you know, the fandom. Does with saying with the example of Voltron, you have these you first of all you will attract the people that were into Voltron originally, or are still into it, regardless of you know how long ago it had been. And there's actually been Voltron remakes, sequels, series, like consistently from its inception to now. They just mostly failed. That blows my mind because I remember watching the 3D one in like the late nineties, early two thousands, and like can't imagine that the group that watched that is wanting to watch the new one or vice versa. They are very different. Yes, they are. But it changes the way the fandom works because it will be enveloped or absorbed or attached to the existing Voltron fandom because it uses similar characters and the same ideas and a lot of the same names of things. As opposed to with the ripoff, it would have its own little area of the internet, whereas this like comes into Voltron's real estate and sort of expands, brings new people in, and puts new people in touch with like the older stuff. Being as a fan of Voltron Legendary Defender, I have zero interest in any Voltron series that's not it. And even the last season of Legendary Defender was, eh, was a little long in, long in the tooth. But uh, Not even with a cast of Clancy Brown and Tim Curry? Hmm. I'm intrigued. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't. It's like 26 episodes, but it's not worth it. Is Tim Curry ever on Spongebob? He's gotta have been, right? I can't believe how long Spongebob's been on, but anyway. (laughs) Okay, so we started this episode saying, are sequels good for fandom? And obviously that's a really hard question to answer. I think when you talk about are sequels good for fandom, you end up in the same discussion is, is more of a thing that I love in general a good thing? And the easy answer is, at some point, no. You gotta stop taking that heroin, man. (laughs) Yeah, man. There, there's a point where, I mean, I guess in a societal sense, like, yeah, more of this good is a good thing. But on an individual basis, there is definitely a point where we must all sit and just be like, I'm fine with what I have. And if there's never any more of this, if there's never any more Chrono Trigger, because there 100% is not going to be any more <laughs> Chrono Trigger, then I'm just going to have to be okay with that. I think as far as that example goes, I'm, I'm fine with that. It is beautiful in its brevity. However, what would the reaction be if they were like, okay, there's no more Marvel movies now. I mean, I'm okay with it. After going through a pandemic and there not being a bunch of those, I think I'm totally fine with that. Yeah. I mean, I don't see it happening, but uh, I could I could definitely live with it. it. Means I've got more time to dig into the Adventure Zone. Uh, crap, I needed at least one more example to, to start a list. <laughs> Critical rule. Yeah, nope. Oh, boy. <laughs> well, that's going to do it for this episode, everyone. Hopefully we've gotten in a little bit into the into the weeds there. If you'd like to uh, email us from the weeds uh, where you're currently standing, you can do so at, nick- at thenixcast.com. Let us know what you think about sequels, any and all. Here, The Godfather Part 2 was even better than the first, for example. If you'd like to follow the show, you can do so on fa- on Facebook at Phanthropological and on Twitter at Phanthropologic. If you want uh, want to know what, three, what the three of us are up to, you can check at the Nixcast anywhere on the internet and you will find us and one thing we're up to coming up very soon is the race against time begin energy transfer
huh? The war fields seem to be affected by the pendant. Did I make it back? To that moment? There might still be time. On August 8th and 9th, join me at twitch.tv slash theraceagainsttime. Join Chrono, Marl, Robo, Isla, Frog, me, Luca, and a whole cast of other folks from your world in a race against time to stop Lavos, save the world of Chrono Trigger, and raise money for Trans Lifeline. Trans Lifeline is a grassroots hotline and microgrants organization offering direct emotional and financial support to trans people in crisis for the trans community and by the trans community. Every single cent we raise goes to them. In this year's marathon to beat Chrono Trigger 13 times, there will be giveaways, special guests, and more. Our goal is to make it back to the future and raise $2,300 for Trans Lifeline with your help. History as we know it may be changed forever. Please visit raceagainsttime.io for more information about the race or to find out how you can be a part of a future that did not refuse to change. Now, how do I get back? I guess I shouldn't have tinkered with the telepod. As for the three of us individually, I make synth music online. You can find me at fragileair.bandcamp.com. Please enjoy the crunchy grooves and weird ambient stuff as well. If you want to know what I'm up to, you can check out the Zeal Archives, which has just wrapped up for 2020. I know that it is only July, but it takes a lot of time to do an audio drama, and we have just wrapped up episode 10. What is the Zeal Archives? If you wanted to get more Chrono Trigger goodness, if you wanted to learn more about the A to Z of the world of Chrono Trigger, that is what what the podcast zeal archives is we start every episode with a little bit of audio drama and end every episode the same way but in the middle it's g and i talking about a great game and what makes the game work narratively mechanically all that good stuff you can check that out at zealarchives.com or you can follow us on facebook or twitter at zeal archives as for me z i'm a writer and you can find what i've got out there translation of Beowulf called Beowulf, a mostly modern verse translation. You can find that over on Amazon. Or if you're feeling uh, you want a bit more of a challenge in these times of ours, then you can try typing in NSC Zakarwitz, and that'll bring it right up. All right, that's going to do it for us, everybody. Just a quick announcement. As already mentioned, the Race Against Time, as of the time of this recording, is next weekend. As you may not know, the Race Against Time takes an awful lot out of all three of us and requires a lot of prep both before and after. As a result, there will not be any other episodes coming out for the month of August. We will come back in September with more episodes as per the regular schedule of every two weeks on Fridays. Just wanted to let you all know, thank you so much for listening. And as G would normally say, until next time, we'll talk to you next time. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you.